Welcome to the Photo Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne, and on today's podcast, I speak with photographer Simon Broody. Simon Broody spent nearly 20 years as a staff photographer for Sports Illustrated, where he still freelances today, photographing athletes such as Michael Phelps, Floyd Mayweather, Danica Patrick, and Russell Westbrook, to name a few. Simon has spent much of his career photographing sporting events such as the Masters, the Super Bowl, as well as the Winter and Summer Olympic Games. I've been looking at Simon's work on the pages of SI since I was a kid, so I was really excited to get a chance to speak with him about his work. So I hope you enjoy it, and thanks so much for listening. All right, well, Simon Broody, uh, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thanks so much for taking the time to do this. No problem, Alex. Yeah, definitely excited to talk thanks to you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, definitely. I've been looking at your work for years. been a SI subscriber since I was a kid, so I was excited to talk to you. Um, but I guess just to kind of start off, I was kind of curious where you grew up and like what are kind of some of your earliest memories of photography? So I, I grew up, uh, I lived in, uh, I'm English, but I grew up in, uh, spent some time in South Africa. Um, but then sort of most of my schooling was uh, in uh, the UK. And, uh, you know, it's really from the school that, uh, you know, I started taking a photography class. Uh, I didn't have much. I wasn't very good at school at all. Um, but the photography class really sort of, uh, you know, caught my fancy. Okay. And how old were you when you kind of picked up your first camera? Um, I was about, I mean, a real camera. I think I was about uh Oh, it must have been about 14 or 15. Mm. Okay, so like high, uh, sc- high school time. Yeah, high school. It was definitely high school. They did, a, they, did, they did a class there. You know, it was very basic, black and white processing. Um, you know, it definitely got me going, you know, and then I wanted, you know, obviously looking at the cameras, you know, I love the cameras. Um, nice, shiny new objects. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, that was another enticement for me. Yeah, definitely. Do you remember kind of the first camera you got and you kind of started working with when you first started out? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I kind of uh, threw a complete tantrum over several months to my mother <laughs> and, uh, you know, made a shell out. I think it was about 110 pounds at the time. It was a Canon AV1 with a 50, with a 50 mil lens. Nice. And what kind of stuff were you, when you kind of first got into it, what were you kind of photographing um, from the get-go? Was it uh, always sports your interest, or even this kind of, from early on, what kind of stuff were you shooting when you kind of first got into it? Uh, I mean, I had no idea about photography. I mean, you know, no one in my family um, was into photography. Uh, so, you know, I, I was, you know, I had, as I said, no clue. I just started photographing you know, pretty much everything and anything. And I didn't put the, you know, <laughs> I didn't put it together that, uh, you know, maybe I should photograph sports. I mean, I loved, I loved sports at the time and I was a good, uh, you know, I was pretty good at sports, but I never put the two and two together. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And was like uh, photography, did you end up like studying that in, in college or when did you kind of start thinking like photography could be a career for you? Um, I suppose I was coming to the end, you know, in the UK, I went to a sixth form college and I did my A-levels and, you know, I, I, I really wanted to be a cricket. I wanted to be a professional sportsman, a cricketer. Mm. Um, and I just, uh, you know, I, I got so far and then, uh, you know, I was never going to make it. And then I, then I decided I wanted to be a, you know, a, a PE teacher. Okay. But my grades were so bad that um, I couldn't get into anywhere. No one would accept me with what I had. So, uh, you know, I was kind of wallowing, I think, a little bit there at the end of the sort of end of high school, end of sixth form college. And uh, I'd played basketball. And trust me, Alex, I'm not six foot seven <laughs> by a long stretch. Yeah. But I did play basketball. And there was a coach who mentioned to me, and he was selling stationery to this photographic agency in London. And I told him that, I, you know, I was interested in photography, but, you know, I still had no clue. You know, I just liked that. I think I liked the romanticism of it all. I walked around in a dark jacket, you know, <laughs> hung out in the corridors of the school, not going to any of the classes. Yeah. Um, 
And so he gave me a phone number to this agency in London, and it was called All Sport. And uh, so I, I called them, and I, I spoke to uh, the main guy there at the time. His name was Steve Powell. And, uh, you know, I said to him, you know, I'm really interested, <laughs> you know, and I'm sure he had thousands of other things to do. I know he had thousands of other things to do, including it was the, during Wimbledon and he was working for Sports Illustrated at the time. So he said to me, call me back again later. I did. Eventually, you know, he said, why don't you come up and see us? You know, and I lived about 100 miles south of London um, and I just hopped on the train as soon as he said that, I hopped on the train, went up there to go and see him, and he wasn't there. Yeah. And so I met somebody else there. His name's Adrian Morell. I met him there. He showed me around, and, you know, I, I was like, obviously, <laughs> I wanted to do anything. So two weeks after that, I get a phone call from him saying, hey, we got a job for you. Hmm. And I said, yeah, great. When do I start? And he said, um, well, you should hear how much we want to pay you. First. <laughs> and I, you know, I, was, I wasn't really worried. I mean, I just, I, it just never crossed my mind, you know, and that's the job offer, my first job offer. And, um, you know, uh, he said, well, you know, you've got to move up to London. You know, I'm just like, yeah, no problem. So I accepted the job, um, really not thinking about the financial side of things. Yeah. And uh, my original salary was, uh, 2,500 pounds a year. Wow. Uh, I mean, it, it wasn't in the uh, 1920s. It was in 1984. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. you know, moved up there, moved up to London. And, and that was it. And they were kind of having you photograph from the get-go, like as soon as you started working there, or what kind of stuff did they have you working on when you were working with, there's like an agency, you said? They had me working on how to make really good tea. Mm. Okay. And how to sweep up. Yeah. and answer the phone and okay. uh, refile transparencies. Okay. So, uh, yeah, photography, they had, they, they didn't need a photographer. Okay. They needed a gopher. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I was, you know, I was going out any spare moment I had, I started going out, you know, there was, uh, um, there was a couple of photographers there who lent me gear and I'd go out yeah. um, and try and photograph sports events you know small small division three you know you know soccer basically yeah uh, and that's i just kept going you know i had no friends in london i only had this agency and the social life around that that's really you know i lived in a studio a really shitty studio apartment uh, and uh yeah it was i think after three months you know i wanted to cry and go home Oh, really? But I stayed, you know. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it seems like a yeah. pretty, it, was, it almost seems like it's that was kind of almost like your photo school in a sense. Like you kind of were working for these guys and you feel like you kind of this learned how the business work and how these like professional photographers kind of organize themselves pretty much. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I had, um, I mean, it was, you, you know, the schooling side of it, you know, I did apply to go to, uh, university for photography i went to i applied to something called trent polytechnic yep. it was like the trendiest place to go as a photographer mm -hmm. and um they turned me down so i was so pissed off with them i phoned them and i got through to somebody in the administration's office and they were telling me well you don't have english o level yeah um, and i said well I, I couldn't quite understand and I said this to the person, I said, I, quite, I don't understand why I need English O-level to take a photograph. Mm. So, um, you know, that really, you know, that upset me. <laughs> yeah, but I think that it's kind of like this goes to show you with photography. I mean, as well as, you know, uh, at the end of the day, to be a professional photographer, it comes down to your portfolio, your work and your passion to do this. I, I, I know for myself, no magazine that's ever hired me. They never asked to look at my resume. Your resume is your portfolio, pretty much. Would you agree? Like, uh, you don't really need to go to school for it. I mean, it definitely it can help. But. Uh, at the end of the day, it comes down to your work pretty much. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it comes down to your work. And if you're green, you know, young and green, it comes down to your commitment. Mm -hmm. 
uh, ego passion for it. I mean, I don't think there's, you know, you can't substitute anything else in for those, those three things. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I, the school in front, I got a complete schooling there and, you know, the agency were, they were growing and they, you know, I kept going, I kept trying and the photographers there, you know, the likes of David Cannon, Trevor Jones, Adrian Morrell, Bob Martin, those guys were looking at my work and were telling me bluntly, you know, good or bad, you know, so I, I got this amazing, I, I did, I got this amazing time. And the, one other thing which, you know, brought back on a little, little bit is mm. the fact that I was looking at lots and lots of images. You know, I was in charge of the post. So I had to look at all the, the stuff going out and look at all the stuff coming in. So the agency had, um, uh, they, they were taking images from a French agency called Vandistat at the time. And these French photographers were like so different to the sort of good action photographers who were working at the agency I was at. Mm. So I looked at this style of this bright, you know, Velvia 50 with blue sky and snow and, and these crazy sports the French photographers were, were photographing. And it definitely helped me sort of try different things and also you know i didn't have to just go to the greatest sports event that day you know i could go to photograph you know you know some highland games in scotland it would it, it just gave me a very different outlook mm. yeah definitely and with within the agency you were working at were it was primarily sports they were shooting or would they be covering other stuff or what was kind of primarily the stuff you guys were working on at that agency no they were only sports. Okay. They were only photographing sports. You know, Tony Duffy was the founder of all sports. And then he teamed up with Steve Powell and they were pretty forward thinking. You know, they were on the, they were shooting color, whereas, you know, everybody else was black and white at the stage. And, you know, they were pushing those boundaries of quality with color. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then they got into, they were the first in the UK to start using a Hasselblad transmitter. So they were definitely, Steve Powell was definitely, uh, very cognizant of changing technology and being on the forefront of it. Mm. And were there like any photographers early on that, whose work you kind of admired when you're first starting out that you kind of looked up to it all? Well, in the UK, you know, there were the guys who were working for the agency, uh, then they were all you know, young, they were all very good. Um, you know, I mentioned a few already. Um, and then, you know, I, I mean, I, as I said, I had no clue about sports photography when I was doing that class. Um, but when I started working, you know, I started hearing other photographers names, um, you know, and then the American side of thing, because the, the agency was doing work with sports illustrated, the magazine. So, you know, I was starting to hear these stories of these famed photographers, um, you know, Heinz Klutmeyer, oh, yeah. Walter Yost, yeah. those guys, that their name, um, those names were cropping up again. I had no idea who they were. Mm. Um, never seen one frame of theirs before. So, you know, I started, you know, I started, you know, obviously taking note, understanding how the assignment side of things was working. And it's certainly something that, you know, back in the sort of mid to late 80s, those budgets for Sports Illustrated, um, you know, they were had private planes, they had assistants, you know, they had the hotels. I mean, it was, um, yeah. It, and I assisted some of the photographers on some of their lighting jobs. Wow. Uh, you know, they lit some of the stadiums and I went on this amazing, uh, like a two week drive through Europe whilst they were lighting the athletic stadiums, you know, throughout Europe. Damn, real, real learning experience there. And, uh, you know, even nowadays, like you've been doing this for a long time. Uh, do you think it's still important to kind of, um, kind of pay attention to what like other photographers are doing and look, keep, keep in touch with like magazines and see what like styles and trends are doing. Do you, do you think it's important to kind of pay attention to that stuff? Do you still look at a lot of different photos? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. You've got to keep looking. Um, you know, one, you're amazed at something and, and two, you know, you've got to try to, uh, you know, up your own 
game um, and get inspired. Yeah, you know, I think that's really important to keep looking. I mean, if you're not looking, your photography career is ending. <laughs> yep. And uh, I guess from the time you went from working at the agency, how did you kind of branch off and start um, shooting on your own and start taking on assignments? How did you kind of make that transition for yourself? Well, you know, I just evolved, I suppose, working for the agency. You know, I, I, I enjoyed working for them. They were great. Um, but, you know, I, it, it started opening up lots of other windows that I didn't know existed when I first got into the business. Um, you know, and, and, and seeing how Sports Illustrated works, you know, they would come to the office in London, you know, when a big event was on. So I, you know, I was pretty amazed at that. And that's something that I was certainly, when I was younger, it was like, I, I want to work for them. Mm. So, you know, I definitely thought, you know, that's where I wanted to go uh, and wanted to aim for, you know. Um, you know, I tried, I had a few skirmishes elsewhere. There was a, you know, there was a, a newspaper in the UK for a short while called The European. Mm. And myself and another photographer through the agency were sort of like subcontracted out to work for them. Yep. So I got a taste of working for a newspaper. It's called, as I said, The European. It was run by uh, uh, Robert Maxwell. Okay. Who owned the Mirror. And, you know, I mean, it was, again, it was, I just got this great look at how other things were working. And, uh, and then all sport had started an office in Los Angeles and a small satellite office in New York. And, uh, you know, I wanted to sort of, I wanted to try something else and ask them if they'd let me go to New York. So I got to spend some time in New York. And then after about a year and a half in New York, I was like, you know, I, I got to do something on my own. Mm. Um, so I tried it, you know, I mean, um, and of course, then I got I got offered a staff job at Sports Illustrated wow. when they made they made all of their contract photographers staff. Yep. Um, they offered me a staff job there. That's pretty amazing. And was like, did you feel like you're living uh, in Europe? Did you feel like you needed to move to the states to kind of further your photography? Was that something you you feel like you had to do to kind of make the next step? You think? Um. I mean, I just thought I, you know, personally, I think I needed a change. You know, I think it was about 13 years I'd been working the agency from a young age, you know, so I think I needed, I needed to sort of uh, get probably, you know, another jolt of adrenaline through my bones. So uh, um, I'm not sure, you know, photographically, it was much more technically based what I was coming to mm -hmm. in the States. The photographers were way ahead technically mm. How's but i'm not sure they were way ahead artistically okay at that stage i moved okay. um that's how that's how i i think i felt mm. um, so you know technically i mean i i used lights really sparingly yep. and then i came to the states and it was just expected of you to light a portrait or you know do something with the remote cameras or light the arena i mean American sports photographers have been doing that for, you know, decades. Mm. Yeah, because looking at your work now, I was going to ask you, is like you do a mix of like you do some really amazing portraits, um, and, but then you also do kind of like um, more like documentary style, the action shots. So was the portrait something um, you had done prior to become coming going to Sports Illustrated or is that something you kind of picked up on later? Well, I dabbled in it a tiny bit. You know, just a small, small bit. I had kind of mucked around with it um, and done a few, you know, photographed a few athletes. Um, but nothing to the extent of coming to the States when I realized, you know, if I wasn't able to light a portrait, I wasn't, you know, I, I just wasn't going to get, I wasn't going to get the assignments. And uh, so I, I learned as I went, um, you know, you mentioned about looking earlier. Yeah, I was looking at and figuring out how, you know, all types of photographers were trying to light things. So I was just learning as I went. I was making lots of mistakes, um, left, right, and center. But, uh, you know, I, I definitely had the chance to do it. Mm. 
Yeah, definitely. And I guess to go back a little bit, um, so how did you kind of get the SI job and like, were, were you shooting some like smaller assignments for them prior to getting the staff position or how did it kind of all come together for you when you kind of became a staff photographer for Sports Illustrated? So, yeah, I was, I started out when I was in London, in the London office of the, of the all sport agency. I, I, um, you know, I started getting a few small assignments from sports illustrated that either the other photographers could not do or did not want to do. Mm. So, you know, and then I was also improved. My photography was improving and, you know, at end of year, Sports Illustrated would select the best of the end of year and they would be asking for, for submissions from the agency I was working for. So I, my, some of my photographs appeared at, in some of the end of year issues at Sports Illustrated, wow. which at the time was, you know, was you know, very big for me as a photographer. And so I got to meet some of the editors, the photo editors. Um, so, you know, just over a little bit of time, I started getting assignments okay. as being like a number two or number three photographer on a job for them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, that, that's how it went for me. And then I started getting slightly bigger uh, assignments. Um, you know, I ended up going to Zambia for them on a, on a, on a story about um, the Zambian soccer team. Wow. You know, I traveled through Europe for them you know, doing, doing, um, uh, event coverage and some of the stories, not so much the portraits, you know, just some of the story side things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's pretty amazing. And then with SI, I mean, I know they don't have their staff photographers anymore, but while you were there, it, it seems like it was a pretty unique thing because it was like, uh, I think how many staff guys did they have? It was like six or seven. It was like you, Walter, uh, I'm trying to think was it Beck. Uh, like how was the environment working there? Because it, w- was there like almost like a, like a camaraderie or is it more, you guys kind of like pushing each other to like um, every month, just kind of get better and better photos or how is the kind of environment working in the magazine where there's like six other staff photographers there as well? Uh, well, w- when they, they, what happened initially is that they, their contract photographers, they made them all staff. Okay. So it was a it was a large number. It was like I want to say it was like between thirteen and fifteen photographers. They made stuff. Wow. Um, and you know, I that that's I mean, when I first started hearing about Sports Illustrated, you know, some of the stories were legendary of those guys and girls. Um, you know, they were they would you know they were tough. They were tough on positions. They were tough with each other. That's not what I was used to working at an agency where there was only a few of us. Yeah. Um, you know, we worked hand in hand. Um, but you know, sports illustrated was a very different animal to what I was used to. Mm. Um, and you know, some of those photographers were, you know, they had their areas that they wanted to be in and you, you kind of, you were told pretty quickly, yeah. you know, fuck. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think the guys more secure within themselves, but you know, who I would say were brilliant photographers. They were, they were not so, um, you know, adamant about a young guy being around. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's competitive, but I would imagine like just being around all those people, do you, you feel it kind of help push your photography and just keep getting better and better just with how much you're shooting and seeing all the other work around you pretty much. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the competition was, you know, it was pretty fit. I mean, you know, it, it, it did change when, when, when they made them all start or made their contract guys all stuff. The, the atmosphere changed somewhat because beforehand, you know, if you got a, if you got a cover or double, double truck in the magazine, you know, you got, it meant more money because your assignment fee and then space fee, it, 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 it changed the sort of, equation somewhat for all of us going stuff mm-hmm. uh, because obviously we're on a salary and it, you know, at, at the end of the day, it didn't matter if you got, you know, 50 covers and a thousand double trucks or no covers, you know, so that side of things changed, you know, the competition side of it didn't change. You, you wanted to get published. 
Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, just pretty much like every photographer, you you always want to get you always want to get published. The slight problem where it came into when it showed its uh, head was when there were multiple photographers at at one event. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, if there was good light. You wanted to be where the good light was. Yep. So that's where the trouble would come from. Um, you know, and, and you know the, that it, it was it was a learning process for me, I would say, for sure. Yeah, definitely. No, it's interesting. And, you know, one thing I was kind of curious about looking at your work, like I mentioned before, you kind of do a mix of like portraits where you'll um, like shoot them in a studio or use some strobes and kind of more stylized. And then you kind of have your other um, portfolio of images where it's kind of your straight, like you're doing action shots and kind of documentary stuff. And the thing I was kind of curious about, um, do you view, view yourself as like a traditional photojournalist when you're kind of doing more of the documentary style stuff? Like, how much editing will you do to those type of photos or is it more kind of traditional like photojournalists? Cause I know like some photojournalists won't even crop their photos. They really don't do much editing to it. Um, how do you kind of approach your editing, I guess? Yeah, I would say that I was more traditionalist, you know, for sure. I de- that's the view. I, that's what I take in when I go and do some of those stories for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm that, yeah, that's how I approach it. Yep. And then with the with the studio lighting stuff, it's kind of like more you'll kind of stylize it and kind of have a little more freedom within the editing you, with that with that type of stuff. The Sports Illustrated material would go back to the editors. You know, I would shoot it and they would see the whole take. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, they would see the, the all the blemishes. And I, I would never do any post-production on those images that were going back to the magazine. Oh, wow. They had a whole department who would do any post-production work. Um, you know, they would show uh, the images uh, from either a portrait shoot or an event to the, to the you know, the, 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 the writing editor's side of things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's how it would work. That's interesting. Like, so like when you're like, you're, you've had a bunch of covers with like Michael Phelps and you're shooting some portraits with him, um, with all his medals and whatnot. So you basically just kind of shoot it and then, um, pass it off to the magazine and they kind of make the edit or do you ever get to have a say in, um, which image you think would work best or is it more, you kind of shoot it and then you kind of send it to the editors and they kind of handle it from there pretty much. I mean, you know, it's definitely changed. You know, when I was staff, Yep. You know, you kind of, um, you have little or no influence after you've shot the photograph and given it to the magazine. Mm-hmm. Then it goes through their own process. Yep. And, you know, you can influence that process by speaking to, you know, some of the editors or the managing editor or the f- director of photography. You know, you can explain some things that, you, you know, the reasons why. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when you're stuck. Yep. When you're freelance, obviously it's a it's a it's a different set of rules that apply to you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would definitely send in uh, if I did a portrait shoot for them. I would send in a set of images that I thought were the best images, and they would have post production done on them. Yep. Um, if it was a story, and I was, you know, I, I wouldn't be, you know, or if it was an event, I tend they they just get really the take still. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's no chance of me putting my own spin on it uh, and no post-production from, from, from myself. You know, they get the raw take. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no, that's, 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 that's good and bad. It, it, it's great that you shoot something and then you have no more control over it. That's kind of sometimes good because then you can move on to the next thing. Uh, in other times it's bad when you open the magazine or, you know, and it's, it's a photograph you think is <laughs> really bloody awful. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I certainly had, I've had both of those experiences working for sports. Yeah, definitely. That's interesting. And with the portraiture work, I was kind of curious to get um, your perspective on, like, what do you think makes, like, a strong portrait? And, like, how do you approach each portrait shoot you do? Do you kind of go in, like, say if you're you're photographing, like, Floyd Mayweather or Michael Phelps, do you kind of go in with a plan of, like different uh shots you want to get or do you kind of just let the shoot kind of unfold like how when it, when you're there or how do you kind of approach each shoot and like how do you kind of prepare for it 
Uh, I mean, with the portrait, you know, the the portrait stuff and the action material, it's it's so it's such a 180 degree turn. You know, when you're photographing action, you have, you know, zero chance to influence what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you show up late, you've missed it. Whereas with the, you know, what I've learned with the portrait side of things, you know, the better prepared you are, the much better the outcome. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've definitely taken that part of, uh, you know, what I've learned and applied it to the, the portrait side. Um, you know, as I said, I've started from, I started from ground zero with it. Um, and I've just gone about listening, watching, learning from a whole host of other unbelievable photographers along the way. And, you know, that's helped formulate my own style, but preparation is key. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I, I, you know, having an idea, I think, you know, having an idea to start with is obviously a great starting point. And then to go from there and then be prepared to, you know, look when you're at the site you know i mean if there's a if there's something odd or strange or you like some other thing that cropped up um you got to go for it i mean the one example i can use for that is i i steve smith but uh, he was a wide receiver for the baltimore ravens yeah and uh i remember having to do and they the magazine had sent me you know they had a uh, you know an idea that i was going to execute and uh you know i was going forward. And then I noticed in the practice facilities that the low sun was creating these incredible shadows. Yeah. You know, and when, when Steve Smith showed up, I said to him, Hey, look, I've got to do just one other thing. You know, you got to give me a little bit more time. Do you mind? Mm. You know, and uh, he was gracious enough to uh, let me take him away from the two minutes I had to put him somewhere else and just go for that photograph. Then I had no clue what was going to be there the people at the magazine had no clue that I was going to do something else. And, you know, they end up running the photograph of the, um, you know, the shadows and light of him. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. I think it's smart, like kind of go with the plan, but then kind of leave yourself some flexibility to kind of let stuff happen naturally. If kind of the opportunities arise, I guess. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's, that's definitely my approach with the portrait side of things. You know, I mean, uh, um, not having not having an idea uh, is certainly not the way that I want to take my photographs, you know, or portraits, um, you know, because that's a disaster. You're you're asking for it. Yeah. Um, so having a plan, knowing who you're photographing, um, if, if you can scout the location, obviously, beforehand, you know, that's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so being prepared is, Oh, I mean, it's like, I'd say it's like, it's got to be like 95% of the job, I think. Yeah, definitely. And especially with the guys you're photographing, I'm sure a lot of the times you don't get a lot of time when you're, especially with the portrait stuff, you don't get a lot of time with these athletes. Like, what do you think the key is to like handling these shoots where you might only have like five, 10 minutes to, you know, shoot a cover or shoot a feature? Like, is it, how do you kind of approach those shoots where you don't have a lot of time pretty much? Yeah, it's, it's, I would say really difficult, um, you know, being prepared, um, knowing who you're photographing. Um, and I, I'm just try to be, you know, pleasant and ready. Mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, I kind of know those guys that I'm photographing, um, you know, athletes, um, you know, their job is to, you know, cross the line first or, score a goal or do something that's what they're focused on um you know hanging around with simon bruti is not on the top of their <laughs> list yeah, yeah you know definitely uh, when i go there i'm i'm super respectful you know i kind of expect them to be somewhat sort of like you know don't diss me too much yeah um, and i'm quite straightforward with them the athletes because i want them to know exactly what i'm doing mm-hmm. uh, and and you know it's you, you you get a whole mixed bag some days you'll get a guy who was only going to give you two minutes uh who give you you know three minutes and then other days guys who are going to promise you five minutes will only give you 30 seconds so you know I've, I've had the whole mix of that and also 
you know, I, I remember photographing Lance Armstrong and I remember being told over and over and over again, he was going to be a complete arsehole. So I was really nervous about photographing him. Yeah. And then I get there and he's, he's not like that at all to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I don't know whether that's to do with me or the fact that it's due to some other, you know, incident that morning. He got out of bed the right side or something like that. Yeah, I, 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 I really don't know. It was it was the um, it was the accent. It was the accent, Simon. No one's going to be rude to go with a, a sweet British accent, man. <laughs> yeah, he couldn't understand me. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think he got a you got to have some personality to do portrait photography. You can't, I think, I mean, what do I know? You know, but um, you know, I think you've got to engage and, you know, as I said, the the athlete is, uh, they're interested in winning in their particular discipline. Yeah. So to expect them to understand what you're trying to do is is difficult. Mm. I would say. Yeah. It's this, uh, it's this communication kind of, communicating your idea in a clear way to these guys of what you're trying to accomplish and you feel like that's kind of the main thing to walk away from a successful shoot pretty much yeah i mean well i I always i mean i always just i want to start with an idea and then um you know hopefully you know sort of elaborate on that idea that i've gone in with Mm -hmm. uh if that all you know goes to pot then you know you've got to have some backup plan. I mean, no one in the office of the magazine gives a shit how you get the photograph. They just want the photograph. They don't want to hear that you had a camera problem, that you didn't feel well that day, or Simon got a scratch on his knee. Mm-hmm. They don't give a shit. Nope. <laughs> they just want the photograph. You get know? get and the job done. <laughs> get the job done, yeah. They, they, they really don't care about anything but the photograph. Because their art is on the line, mm-hmm. you know, and they've taken the, the sort of gamble of asking, you know, Simon to do the photograph. So, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a difficult dance, I yeah. would say, Alex, as, as you know. Yeah, definitely. And, like, do you feel like, do you walk away from every shoot, like, completely satisfied um, every time? Or is there sometimes you feel like, oh, I wish I would have tried that? Or, like, how, how do you feel? Cause I'm always curious because, like, I look at, like, successful photographers, and I'm like, I'm like, they must just walk away and be like, yeah, I killed that one. I gotta, or how do you feel, like, every shoot you do, pretty much? Uh, after every shoot, I'm, uh, like, pretty fucked up because I didn't do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I don't think I've ever walked away. If I ever walked away from a shoot with that feeling, Alex, mm-hmm. um, I don't think I'd be working ever again. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, uh, yeah, there's always, I mean, I, I, I always feel that there's something better I can do. I, sh- I should have done. I could have done. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think of that, you know, and uh, it pisses me off when uh, it wasn't perfect. Yeah. Um, and of course, you know, you're never going to uh, reach perfection. So it's a good spur for me and has been through my career, I think, of trying to make it perfect. And I'm just never going to get there. Yeah. No, it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely, you just got to stay hungry. That's the way I feel. I feel like that's the cool thing about photography. You, you, there's no, like, you can't perfect photography. It's like, it's just, a, for me, it's just like continually trying to get that next good photo and just keep it moving pretty much. Yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, yeah, you're never, yeah, like you said, you're never going to perfect it. Um, you know, you, it, I, I mean, I don't, I, you know, I, I, I always, I always thought it would get easier the older I got, but yeah. actually it's the reverse. It's got way more complicated the older I've got. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and the, the, the perfection idea is, uh, you know, it's, uh, Christ, it's puzzling. Mm. No, it's interesting to hear. And, you know, another thing I was kind of curious about, being that you shoot um, a lot of action, uh, sports photos, I was kind of curious, like, what do you think the key is to, like, getting a good action photo? Because for me, like, I'm not, like, I don't really shoot a ton of action, but I've always found it really challenging because how do you, like, approach it? Because you want to have, like, a really nice composition, but your subject is sometimes moving a million miles an hour. Uh, What do you think the key is to getting a good action photo? the key to getting a good action photograph. Wow. Uh, I mean, you know, um, you know, how long's a piece of string, (laughs) you know, I suppose, I suppose the basics are important. Mm -hmm. You know, you mentioned composition. Mm -hmm. 
Um, You know, I've always thought sharpness or in focus is key. Mm -hmm. Um, That's, those are the basics that I go with. But, you know, a lot of times, Alex, I I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how I'm getting it. I just go to an event. I sum it up. I look at it. I look at where the light is, if there is any light. Um, I look at the positions that have become, you know, designated to the, the action photographer. Yeah. And then I'm like, you know what? I don't think that's going to work for me. I want to do something else. Or, or I tend to sort of like do basic action and then kind of start thinking, well, this is boring. I need to go and do something else and shoot somewhere else. Yeah. And it's, sorry, that doesn't really answer how you're going to get the greatest action photograph. I, yeah. I don't know if I know. Yeah, it's, I've always been amazed at the guys that can do it because the thing for me, like when I look at these amazing sports photographers like yourself, it's like, the game's moving so quick and for me like I, I mostly shoot portraits so I have my time to like kind of focus and kind of craft it but with sports it's like you you feel like you kind of really have to like pay attention and anticipate where the players might be or where the actions kind of be uh is that kind of half of it kind of trying to anticipate where the action is going to be and hope you're in the right spot pretty much uh okay so let me because you were talking there my small brain had time to sort of reconfigure your question okay so okay getting a great action photograph well you kind of got to be in with the action yeah it's okay to take a 50 mil if you're looking for you know something really cool from the sideline but if you want a great action photograph you kind of need a long lens Mm -hmm. that's the first thing you need okay so um, you need a long lens to get into the action and then to freeze it, you need, you know, fast long lenses. Yep. That's why you see sports photographers, you know, with 400, 28, 600 F4s mm-hmm. or, you know, the, the, there's lots of other new varieties around, but, um, yeah, you kind of need that. And then the other factor, which is probably more important or as equally important as the lens is the ability to concentrate. Yeah because the sport happens in such fractions of a second. And it's not like, as you said, in the studio where you can say, Hey, you know what? Um, could you just re look to your left? Cause that looked great. So the ability to concentrate is kind of underrated. I think in sports photographers, yeah, I think it's because even like I was going to ask you this question because especially with sports, there's if you're like at a big game where the crowd's going crazy and there's just so much emotion going on, um, how do you have you always just been able to focus and you kind of this like block all all that noise out and just kind of focus on what you need to do? Because I would imagine sometimes with these big games, there's like could be the Super Bowl or the World Cup and there's just so much emotion going on in one place. So how do you kind of focus yourself? Yeah, I think if you can't do that, then you're not going to take a great photograph that day mm. or you're not going to take the greatest photograph that day. So, yeah, the ability to concentrate. Um, yeah, you've you got to kind of block it out. I don't know how I do it, to be honest with you. I mean, I'm not I, I think it's because it's just a small brain I have. <laughs> and so therefore, all the synapses aren't firing all the time. So I think that's probably part of the, uh, the reason. Mm. But I mean, the other part is just to get yourself um sort of clued in and and not think well you know i need to get matey's autograph here or i need to shout jump up and down when my favorite team is winning yeah um i mean they're kind of basic things that you should be applying yeah i mean i don't know journalistic rules you know i always think of those Mm -hmm. when i'm photographing yeah um but it is crucial i think you know if you're your your sports imagery or action imagery imagery will be pretty bog standard. Mm-hmm. You'll keep talking to the guy on your left or the girl on your right, you know. Then, or you're picking your nose or whatever. Then you're going to miss it. Mm-hmm. And when you miss it, there's no getting it back. You can watch it on ESPN later on. Yep. Yeah, you're there. That, yeah, you're there. You know, you're there to do a job. You're not there to be a fan. Yeah, I mean, I think that's so crucial to. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a basic understanding that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And you know, I was really excited to talk to you. I know you've been lucky enough to shoot the Olympics a bunch of times. I was kind of curious, like, how do you approach shooting the Olympics? Because it seems like quite the production, um, just because you're shooting for two weeks nonstop. I was just kind of curious, like, uh, what was the first Olympic games you photographed, and like, how do you approach each Olympic games when you're going to shoot that? I guess. 
so the first Olympics I went to was in Seoul in 1988. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, uh, well, firstly, you know, whatever sport you end up photographing has the best of the best there. Yep. So that's a great thing. Um, so whether it's, you know, you know, a small sport that you rarely hear about, the best athletes are there competing. Um, and my approach to the Olympics is trying to survive, really. I mean, you know, it's, it's you know, a lot of the times, you, you know, you get out of the starting blocks and, you know, you can work, you know, straight three days without doing anything, you know, because there's sports almost 20. It feels like sport is happening 24 hours a day. Yeah. So if you, you know, if you're not careful, at the end of three days, you run the battery low on yourself and uh, you can't make the rest of the, the time there. So, it's, uh, you know, I've always tried to manage myself in, in that respect. Mm. So to make sure I understood it was a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. Uh, all these sports metaphors are flowing out. Of me. <laughs> I like uh, it. <laughs> but that's, that's basically the way I approach it. And then, you know, if you, you know, I've done it working for a magazine. So, you know, and an agency. So, you know, if it's for the magazine, they're assigning you mm-hmm. to, go to certain areas or yeah. certain sport. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I go with pretty open mind, you know, and you're showing up late, you know, you're trying to, to use, you're using the transport system. It's difficult. If you're far away, it's difficult. Mm-hmm. It's just solving the issues as you go, I think. And if you can somehow get around those and the tiredness, um, you know, you're going to make great photographs. And with the Olympics, are you generally, or do you have like an assistant working with you or is it just you lugging around all your gear or how's the, like the logistics of, I guess, shooting the Olympics? Well, I've done it both ways. I've done it on my own mm-hmm. and I've done it with an assistant. Okay. Um, yeah. I'd love to have an assistant. You know, it's, it's, it makes life a lot easier when you have an assistant and, you know, yeah, you're carrying lots of gear. Uh, on your own, it's difficult. You know, you've got to be, uh, well, you've got to have an idea of what you're going to photograph. So, you know, if you're doing multiple sports a day and you're trying to put a remote down as well, that's suddenly a lot of gear that you've got to hump around. Mm. Um, you know, as in Rio, you know, the, the, the Olympics in uh, Rio, there was, you know, also you had to deal with gear getting stolen. Yeah. So, you know, another layer of, sort of anxiety or stress to go along with the fact that you had to, you know, only sleep four hours a night or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that when you were in Rio, I saw you, you did some amazing photos you shot from the favelas, which are notoriously like a lot of like crime and whatnot. I think it's pretty rough. Um, how was that shoot? And did anybody try to mess with you when you were shooting there? Or how was your experience in Rio de Janeiro? Uh, yeah, Rio, you know, my first foreign assignment when I was uh, a, a, a young lad was to Rio, wow. uh, to a Formula One Grand Prix. Wow. So, you know, uh, and then going back in 2016, <laughs> you know, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of an interesting scene. The favela stuff. Um, yeah, I, I, trust me, I didn't just wander in there with my English accent. Yeah. <laughs> Could you tell me the way to, you know, I, you know, the sweet shop. No, yeah. it didn't work that way. Um, you know, I had fixers uh, who came with me. Uh, I scouted out the night before, the day before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of, uh, yeah, I mean, I think you've got to have your, you've got to be sensible. Uh, but you, I just don't think I would. I mean, I, I suppose it's like anywhere, you know. Yeah, I mean, you just have to kind of gauge mm-hmm. and have some sort of gut feeling as to what you're going to do yeah the favelas you know there's obviously a lot of violence there but there's also you know a lot of normal human beings in there you know it's like not not everybody's toting a gun and trying to rob yeah um you know so i i found the i found the experience i've been there several times you know i found the experience you know it's it's always kind of uplifting to go to a place where you're not meant to go Yep. You know, and as, you know, you hear those stories all the time, but the people are generally, you know, nine times out of 10, more pleasant from where you've been. Yeah, yeah uh, definitely. And, you know, I, I, you know, I, I'm, I feel, you know, when you show respect, people respect you. And I had a job to do and, 
you know, the people in those towns that I went, they were always understanding of that. And I was never, you know, I never felt pushy or, you know, like I gotta do this because yeah. I'm working for this or I'm doing that. You know, yeah. I mean, that's the least part of that um, problem, you know, and my problems were super, you know, on the scale of one to 10, what I had problem wise were like, you know, probably about point two compared to the people I was using the roof of their house, you know, or, or, you know, asking them to do something, you know? So yeah. Mm. Uh, I didn't just wander in there. Yeah. Now the, the photos came out great because it kind of gave you a perspective on the Olympics. Like obviously the action photos are, are really interesting, but then to kind of get the, the, you almost kind of get the perspective of like the city you're shooting in. Cause I think I saw you kind of did a story on your website of like the world cup and you're in Brazil and it looks like you were this right. photographing like this normal people at their house, having a barbecue, watching the game. And I think you're like at a hotel is, is that kind of right. how you approach it? You kind of want to obviously get the, the action shots of the events, but then also kind of get like a, like a photos of this, the city and this kind of the environment of where the Olympics are going on. Yeah, definitely. It's really difficult. You know, you go to to do one of these big mega events like the Olympics or you go to the World Cup and you could be photographing it on Mars. It makes no difference now. They become a bubble mm. and they don't have any flavor of where they are. Yeah. So I've always thought it was really important to sort of, you know, place the events or to get some sort of flavor uh, from the countries that I go to, mm. you know. Yeah, if no. you don't want to do that, it's pretty easy to fly in, go to your four-star hotel, and go to the arena. Yep. You know, it, you know, as a sports photographer, that's really what you're meant to do. You're not meant to sort of ponce around, uh, you know, up a hill uh, off the track. But for me, that's really important for me to do. You know, I just feel like that's something that I want to get a different perspective. And, uh, you know, lucky enough, I've just had the chances to do that. Yeah, definitely. And do you, do you feel like you have a preference to the winter or summer games, or is there one that you like photographing more than the other, you think? Oh, I love the winter games. Oh, really? Why? Uh, they're smaller, and, you know, it's just, uh, I don't know, they always seem to have a better feel mm. than, you know, the, the summer games. The summer games tend to, you know, get spread out. You can't go everywhere. They're, they're complicated there's tons of you know there's always tons of photographers but uh there's tons of everybody mm -hmm. you know tons of tv and you know so i like the i love the the winter games yeah no it's interesting and it's even it's like different colors like the summer is probably like more blues and i don't know different warmer colors but the winter could be this kind of different color palette to your photos i suppose sure yeah i mean i love the skiing side of things you know i've done that a few times and uh you know, you, you know, you have to, you know, you kind of feel like you're, you have to ski the course designed for the athletes. You know, it's not often you do that. I mean, you can, you can walk up the hundred meters straight on the stadium, but uh, there's nothing like uh, a little rush skiing down a steep icy pitch. Yeah, definitely. With your gear on your back. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, one question I was interested in asking you was like, is there one sport that you think is the most challenging to photograph in your mind? Uh, or is it all this kind of a different challenge, I suppose? Or is there one that you think is kind of this hard to get an interesting photo from more than others? Well, I think skiing, you know, alpine skiing is tough, you know, because the, the, the things I just sort of kind of mentioned, you know, you ski the course designed for an athlete. Mm -hmm. um, you have to carry your equipment. You have to kind of you know, you'd get practice days, but you have to kind of figure out where along that sort of mile and a half course you're going to um, find the best action photograph. Mm. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of legwork to do to get to a photograph with a skiing. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And they're moving. They're, they're, uh, and they're... then you've got to deal with the weather conditions. You know, I mean, you know, if it gets really cold or, you know, it's, uh, you know, and you're not prepared. Yep. You're not going to be wanting to hang around on the side of a mountain. You want to get down to the uh, yeah. the bar. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, in the cold, the camera batteries die quick. <laughs> camera batteries die quick. You know, your fingers <laughs> die even quicker. You know, so uh, yeah, if you're not prepared, watch out. Mm -hmm. And you know? Uh, I know um, Sports Illustrated. I believe you were there for uh, about what 17 years as a staff staff photographer. 
Yeah, yeah, I had a great run there. It was a, I had a great time. Uh, I loved every minute of it. Uh, but you know, things change, and obviously, you know, the uh, the editorial side of things is is uh, you know kind of taken a, a left turn right now. So I'm I'm freelance now, and uh, you know, I'm dealing with the challenges of being freelance. But you know, I had a great run at SI. Um, it was fun. Now it's time for something different, like figuring out how to do taxes and my accounting. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's getting your assignment. <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask you like, um, what do you, do you like the freelance life? Is there any like pluses to it or how's your uh, experience been now that you're working freelance and things like that? Um, yeah. I mean, I do. I, it, it's, it's, it's definitely a roller coaster for me. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, about understanding how to, to, to manage your time, you know, when you're not working or the phone's not ringing or you're not doing something. I mean, that's, uh, you know, I've become the king of wasting time. I'm brilliant at it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I've had to sort of, um, you know, discipline myself. Uh, and, and I could be honestly, mate, not, not very successfully, I can tell you that. Uh, I try to discipline myself to, uh, you know, I got to do all the, I hate the paperwork, man. Jesus. Yeah. Contracts. No one ever told me about the paperwork. <laughs> yeah, man. C contracts and uh, chasing uh, clients to pay you on time. It's uh, a yeah. Th that's yeah. Th that's the job. The photography is the fun part, but all the other stuff that's that's the job. Um, yeah. But Definitely. you know, being like you're shooting mostly like sports and things, I was kind of curious, like, um, where do you kind of see things going? Because I know uh with like big companies like getty and whatnot who are this kind of behemoth and they kind of this sell their photos to everybody um do you feel like there's still opportunities for freelance sports photographers uh nowadays or, or where do you kind of see things going in the future um yeah it's definitely tough uh my assignments are not necessarily you know the full-blown event coverage mm -hmm. the action fact, that's kind of you know it's definitely dried up some degree yeah. um you know i have worked with some groups of photographers which is a, a pleasant very nice way to work with a group of photographers going to an event mm -hmm. um i like doing that i mean because the freelance side of things can get you know super you, you're on your own yeah you know and if you don't have any interaction uh you, you go pretty stir crazy yeah definitely uh, so um you know, I suppose, where is it going? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I mean, I always think there's room. I've always believed there's room for good work. Mm -hmm. um, I still believe that, and I still try hard to, to go that route. But, you know, as, you're, as you were saying, the photography itself is the easy part. The tough part is, you know, the schmoozing, is the getting the assignments, mm -hmm. convincing somebody that you can do it. Yep. I mean, those are the... The, the the things that I I would struggle with, you know. Yeah, um, definitely. And do you do you find now that you're freelance, do you find yourself like pitching ideas to magazines and story ideas now? Is that something you do at all? I do try to do it. Yeah, I do try to do it. Um, you know, I, I kind of yeah, I do, I do. It's 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 somewhat of a catch twenty two because I believe in the ideas, so therefore I'm going to do them. Mm -hmm. so, you know, I've definitely started a few projects where, you know, I've got the pushback and no one's really interested. Yeah. Um, but I believe in them. So I've been doing them. So, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's good for your, you know, it's good for my soul anyway to, to force myself to do it. It's a totally different beast doing a sort of self-designed project. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've never done it before and now I'm doing it and it's like, holy shit. Yeah, it's it's you know? it's definitely tough because you gotta invest in it yourself and spend the time. Right. But, um, but yeah, I think I think there's opportunities that way. I know I actually just had I I was shooting this boxing stuff for myself, and then a magazine that they they ended up buying it. So it happens. I think it definitely is tough, and it's definitely like an investment. But I know for myself, I think I think it's at least for me. It just I just want to keep shooting. Just kind of keep the momentum. Yeah. Keep the momentum yeah. going. Going, you know. Yeah, you're definitely right there, Alex. Yeah, that's that. I I think that would be the the freelance mantra is to keep shooting. You know, it's obviously it's so easy now 
and uh, I'm so guilty of it. It's sitting at my desk, you know, like I can, you know, as I said, I'm the king of wasting time, <laughs> but there are so many things you can waste your time on, you know, mm-hmm. um, and they are some tenuous connection to photography, but they're not actually creating anything. I, you know, again, it's just my own opinion, but uh, yeah. yeah, keep shooting. And those, I think that's where those projects help me. Uh, it sounds like that for you too. I mean, I think it's, yeah, I think keep pushing yourself. Mm-hmm something that I keep reminding myself of. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I guess, like, to start wrapping up, I was, like, kind of curious, being that you've shot so many, like, all these amazing events from the Olympics to the Super Bowl and the World Cup, is there any sporting event you haven't photographed yet that's still, like, on your bucket list or, like, anything you're hoping to work on down the line? Um, It's pretty tough. You've been, you've been to everything. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's any, you know, I, I just like, you know, I, I like it all, you know, I, I really do. I don't have, you know, I don't have to go to the big event mm-hmm. anymore, yeah. uh, but I do like going because that's where you compete with everybody else. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's, there's nothing better than getting the best photograph from the Super Bowl when there are three or 400 other photographers trying to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'd be happy to go to, uh, you know, a really tiny event and have complete access, yep. you know. Um, you know, I think that's what's changed from my perspective is, you know, nowadays at large sporting events, photographers are corralled into certain areas. Television uh, dominates, uh, you know, I think if it's not, a, it's got to be 100% now of sort of most most sports. Yeah. Um, so the the ability to roam around free, go where you want. That's what I love doing. Yeah. And big sporting events, that's uh, almost unheard of. Yeah. They kind of just put all the photographers in one corner and that's kind of what you get pretty much at a lot of those events now. Yeah. It's pretty much how it works. You know, they want to be in control of it. They don't, you know, photographers are themselves to blame because it's like herding cats. Mm -hmm. But, you know, once somebody's paid, hundred billion dollars for the rights and uh you know they're photographing the backs of photographers mm-hmm. photographers going to get the short, yep. short short end of the stick there so uh yeah that's what's happened at big events they corral the photographers into smaller and smaller spots and you know you've got to deal with that you and uh, you know that's part of the game you know as i said if you're on assignment the people in the office don't really want to hear you moan and whine and cry that you can photograph in one spot. But to you as a photographer to try to, uh, you know, find somewhere different Mm -hmm. or make the spot work from where you are. That was a long winded answer for you, Alex. No, Uh, man. I I like it, man. I like it. (laughs) You're you're dropping knowledge, Simon. Uh, but I guess, uh, my, my last question is like, you've been doing this for a long time. I was just kind of curious, what kind of keeps you inspired to keep shooting um, sports and all the, everything you do? Um, what kind of keeps you inspired? And, like, um, do you have any kind of goals for your photography moving forward? Um, well, I'm inspired by, you know, I mean, it's so easy to get inspired now. You know, you have access to everything, right? Yep. Um, you know, reading going to the shows, um, looking at other photographers' work. You know, I think that's key for me. Um, I, I just, you know, I just went to, uh, what did I go and see? I saw some show. And I, I just think going to see how other, going to listen to photographers, I think. You know, like your podcast, I think, is really, uh, it's great for, for a photographer. It's great for a freelance photographer, you know, to listen in. And I'd love to hear how other photographers deal with the problem they might have uh, a different way of dealing with it yep. but they solve it and photographers do solve problems mm-hmm. so you know i get inspired by all kinds of things you know i suppose and you know i'm uh, watching you know i, I saw um I think jimmy chin's you know free solo yeah that movie was great uh, i thought it was amazing uh you know the whole scene was amazing yeah so i think you know, it's easy to get inspired. Mm-hmm. Um, the tough thing is to translate that inspiration into uh, a project or 
you know, get it out of your brain and get it into, you know, a print on a wall or a print in a magazine or, or a show on a website. That's the really tough part. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, I'm, you know, I just keep wanting to push forward. I'm not sure if I'm pushing forward in the right direction, but I'm always trying to push forward, try something new, you know, I think that's really important. I'm I'm not giving up. I'm, I, I am not giving up, you yeah. know, I mean, that's certainly, it's still, I'm not sure what I'm giving up, yeah. but I'm not giving up whatever it is I'm not giving up. Yeah, it's still, it's still exciting for you every time you get to photograph something new. Yeah, I mean, I just photographed a young high school basketball player and it was great. Oh, yeah, you I, saw you, I saw you photographed Zion Williamson, is that the thing? Yeah, I photographed him as well, you know, I mean, you know, and he's, that guy's a beast. Yeah, you know, obviously now he's become a superstar, you know, at, at college level. And yep. I mean, he was, you know, it's it's really refreshing to to, to see. I, I mean, I think it's refreshing, but it's great photographically because it's kind of like a blank canvas there, in some respect. You know? Yeah, so definitely. I'm always, I'm always uh, yeah, I'm always, yeah, I always think, I always think I am thinking whether I am or not. <laughs> you know, another thing. Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, Simon, man, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Uh, like I said, I've been seeing your work since I was a kid, subscribing to SI, so I was definitely excited to uh, talk to you. And uh, I guess for people listening, uh, where's the best place to check out your work? Um, well, Alex, thank you. Uh, it's obviously, you know, I, I, I saw the list of photographers that you've spoken to already, and uh, that's, uh, wow, it's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, pleasure's all mine, mate. Thank you. And uh, uh, where where can I see where can you see my work? Well, you know, I have um, I have uh, I, you know I love Instagram, mm-hmm. uh, so I'm I'm I have two Instagram sort of uh, feeds right now. Okay. Uh, the first one I started is called Any Chance underscore. Okay. And the second one, I just I wasn't putting any of my sports work on the first one, so the second one is this really unusual name. Simon Brutti. <laughs> All right, perfect. And then your website is simonbrutti.com? It is, yeah. Perfect. And you reminded me. I've got to update it. Yeah. Dust it off. Yeah, man. Uh, definitely. Well, uh, I'll link it and people can go check it out. And uh, thanks so much, Simon. Hey, Alex, thanks, mate. Thanks a lot. So there you have it. That was the Simon Brutti interview. I want to thank Simon so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. It was a real pleasure getting a chance to speak with him about his work and experience working at Sports Illustrated. I've been looking at his work in SI since I was a kid, so definitely enjoyed talking to him. Um, He's photographed every big athlete in the world, all the biggest sporting events. His photos have been on the cover of Sports Illustrated numerous times, so definitely really enjoyed that one. Uh, Definitely go check out Simon's website at simonbrudy.com as well as his Instagram, at Simon Brody. And also a big thank you to Jesse Ryder for hooking up that interview. Um, Thanks so much. And as always, I'll be having weekly podcasts every Monday on iTunes, SoundCloud, as well as my website, alexgagnephoto.com, and on my Instagram, at alexgagnephoto. Thanks so much, and take care.